Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings Radio. It is Monday, August 29th, 2022. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to reach out and contact us, the email, as always, rdgable at yahoo.com. Our social media pages, tst underscore underscore radio on Twitter. 
and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And I never give this out, but my personal Facebook account, it's not hidden, just search Ryan Gable, G-A-B-L-E, and you'll be able to interact with me directly as a lot of you already do. Our website is www.thesecretteachings.info. You will find our archive on the website. There are links to the various radio and podcast players. If you're not already utilizing one of those to listen to The Secret Teachings or other radio shows and other podcasts, you can click those links. They'll take you directly to our show or just search the name of the show and you can listen for free any time of the day or night. Of course, the show airs Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. And I want to thank all of you who come over to The Secret Teachings right after Clyde on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. Some people on TalkStream Live, but if you do have any technical issues, GroundZero.radio is the place to go. Or again, the Aftermath FM app, it is the same stream. So before we go anywhere tonight, I want to thank a lot of different listeners who have gone out and purchased my new book, Liberty Shrugged. A lot of new listeners who have subscribed to the show. Jan Simpson, Rosalina Brown, Jason Snyder, Mike Nichols, Colin Ingersoll, our friend Mary Ducina, who will be on the show next month, uh, my friend Joseph Lavelle, Jeff Lee, uh, my friend Teresa Jordan, a bunch of other listeners, uh, Claretha Adams, James Hartman, and uh, a handful of others who have subscribed, Stephen Barrow, Stephen Mitchell, Robert Davenport. Well, that's Rob here from Ground Zero, so I really appreciate that, Rob. Jason Hughes, Corey Portis, Joseph Bissell, Deborah Perry, Monty Huntwork, Anita Carnell, Jessica Rash, Brandon Clark, Timothy Moore, Rich Rounds, Gary McCown, Sarah Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick, Benjamin Kuna, David Kamara, and Steve Clark, also Mark Roberts, Colin Anderson, and Deborah Gibson. Those are some of the most recent subscriptions over the last month. Thank you so much for subscribing to the broadcast. Thank you so much for supporting what we do. Or for those of you who I named who bought a book, my new book, Liberty Shrugged, thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings. Again, we do this completely on our own. So we don't have a publisher. We don't have a website design team. So if you have a couple of minutes to shoot us an email and we don't get back to you right away, please give us a few days so I can, I say us, but I I just mean generally the show. Sometimes it takes me a while to get back to listeners. So please understand that it is just me and I really appreciate the support. Seriously, if you did not support us in these ways, we would not be here with the subscriptions and the books. Last thing, our entire show archive from last week, it is all fully in the archive. Our pink Venom show that we did about the music video from uh, South Korea, our show that we did with Jay Parker, who survived a satanic, ritually abusive family, Black Goo Body Snatchers. We talked about Black Goo Thursday. A few people asked me to get Harold Kautz on the show. I've reached out to Harold. He is coming on the show hopefully this week to talk about Black Goo 101, our show Little Demon on Friday about the demonic packs in the music industry. We'll actually be joined by our friend, Derek Murphy tomorrow night to talk about and expand on the music industry and those pacts that are made with the devil. Some people in the industry, the music industry, have actually been so terrified 
maybe they were atheists or at least they didn't believe in God. And they've, they've been so terrified by what they've discovered in the industry, the music industry in particular, that they've become Christian now. We talked about that on Friday. I find that to be pretty incredible. And then our show last week, Enviro Necromancy, we have bioscience companies that want to bring what they say are extinct animals. Some are not extinct. They declare them extinct, and then they declare that they can bring them back from extinction. So I call them Enviro Necromancy. And someone was so offended by the name of that show, I don't know why that's offensive, but they made an entire Twitter account, used my picture, and called their Twitter account Enviro Necromancy, and they've been trolling or sock puppeting me for the last, well, since I did that that show Wednesday, so it's almost been a week now. Uh, I don't know what was offensive about that show, but it, it's in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. Uh, uh, subscriber or not, it's on the website. So last week, and of course, the week before that, we were discussing the Anne Hesch story. I was on Clyde and Ground Zero last Monday, and what I found is that clearly there is a pattern of both pop culture, which I think is maybe fair to say it's defined as mundane, things that the average person is aware of, whether you're into them or not, or aware of pop culture ideas and images and things like that. And then things that are maybe more esoteric, more occult, things that aren't so well known to the to the general public. So I said on Monday's show last week that August, the whole month of August, is basically the month or the moonth, where you get the word month, moonth, the moonth of goddess worship, particularly the patron of maidens, the goddess Diana, and her dark counterpart of the crossroads, Hecate. Hecate. Hesh, Heka, kind of pronounce it differently. Now, when I talk about these types of esoteric and occult themes, obviously a lot of people hear the name of the show, The Secret Teachings, and think, well, he's teaching us things. I'm not teaching you anything. Let's make that clear. The show is named after a book. I don't have access to some secret record of information that nobody else has. This isn't some QAnon BS garbage. It's a name of a show. It's named after a book. And the things we discuss are multi-layered and they are etymology, they are philosophy, they are esotericism, they are occultism, they are comparative religions. We put all this together to try to understand the underlying, underlying meanings, the underlying currents of current events and sometimes historical events. So when you looked at the death of Anne Hesch and you look at the upcoming anniversary of the death of Princess Diana, you have all these parallels, you have all these patterns, you have things that some might call synchronicities. We talked about the name Aurelia Festival, the Roman Festival of Diana. We talked about the release of this new song out of South Korea that went ultra mega hyper viral. Um, I did not watch the music awards this weekend, but uh, my friend Derek told me that the Pink Venom song, uh, I guess they, they played it at the awards. We'll talk about that maybe more tomorrow with Derek when he's on the show. Uh, and the Pink Venom song is just filled from start to finish. It's also three minutes and 13 seconds long. It's filled from start to finish with uh, broken mirrors, butterflies, split personalities, putting consciousness in a cage. It's filled with the breaking down of barriers and walls, the switching of 
personalities and, and, and a heavy emphasis on the worship of the moon and the worship of the moon goddess Diana or Selene or depending on what culture, you know, it could be Artemis, etc. I want you to keep that name in mind for a moment, Artemis. So we looked at that in the song and we, and we realized that song came out on the 18th, which is 13 days in the songs, three minutes, 13 seconds, 18 or excuse me, 18, 13 days before the anniversary of princess Diana's death. And then of course you go back to the end of last month into the beginning of August and you had the Commonwealth games in England where yes, there was a bull and yes, the bull could be bell or ball or Malik. But the bull is also, if you go to the Egyptian pantheon of gods and goddesses, the bull is heavily, heavily associated with one goddess in particular, the goddess Hathor. But Hathor is a lesser deity akin to Isis. And you will see, in fact, I used to have a statue of Isis, but it, it broke because I moved so much. It ended up getting, I think, my, <laughs> I think my son Fox also, he threw it off the, the uh, bookshelf one time, but he... But this thing had, um, she was holding the staff, which is authority and power. She was holding the ankh, which is life. A lot of gods, gods and goddesses do that. I have a, somewhere here, I have an Anubis, there he is, an Anubis statue up there above my bookshelf, and he's got an ankh in his hand too. And so Isis, though, basically Isis has the, the power and she has the ability to create life. She is the, the patron, the maiden, uh, patron of maidens like Diana, and her symbol is the bull. So you have this, in England, a month before the death of Princess Diana, what is this, the 25th anniversary, you have this bull that's, that's brought out onto the stage and is, it's, it's rampaging and then it's brought into submission and they, they bow to it, they kneel to it. So yes, it, it could be Moloch, it could be Baal, but the bull is also Hathor, it's also Isis. And we know Diana's perfume was Isis, so we know that there is an association directly with Isis and Diana. Of course, Diana, or if you look at the Greek pantheon, you have Artemis. Um, You have a bunch of different gods and goddesses. When you have lesser gods and goddesses, they usually represent expressions or droplets of the more powerful gods and goddesses. So the bull is Isis. And then you have those car wrecks, and then you have the death of Anne Heschel and Amorelia. They harvest her organs and then pull the plug and kill her. And then you have the release of this big song called Pink Venom, and then the imagery in that with Lilith in the garden, and then the worship of Selene, which has a double meaning because Selene is a fancy clothing brand, and she has the the girl has the Selene hat on, but it, it's a it's basically it's not even a hat; it's more like a visor, so it doesn't have a top, so it's a crown, it's a moon crown, and then it cuts in the next scene to the woman in front of the moon, so it's the moon goddess in the white robes. So these are not just random things. This is a huge ritual in England. This is a huge ritual in uh, Los Angeles. This is a huge ritual in the music industry, which although these girls are from South Korea, and I don't think that they even knew what they were participating in. I think that people make this stuff and, and they tell the artists, if you want to be famous and you want to get your music out there, you do this. So you've got Hollywood, the music industry, and then you have this huge ritual taking place in the UK and it's all focused. Every single one of those things is focused on Isis, which is the bull. It's focused on Anhesh and Namorelia, the death on the significant Namorelia festival, the 13th, 14th, and 15th. And then you have this big song that comes out. So you have a sports ritual, you have a celebrity ritual, and then you have the part, the third part of the Trinity, 
which is this music video that comes out 13 days before Princess Diana's anniversary. So when you put all that together, you would think perhaps maybe the synchronicities are, are at a tipping point. You know, it's the end of the month. We're moving into September. September 11th is coming up. So we'll have, you know, the, the anniversary discussions about that, if people even remember that at this point. But before we can get to September, something else happened today that aligns with all of the other synchronicities, all of the other patterns, all of the other symbols and sigils and things we've seen throughout the month of August. Today is, of course, August 29th, 2022. And some of you may have seen that the NASA mission, the Artemis 1, was supposed to launch from Kennedy Space Center earlier this morning, but it did not because of engine trouble. But here's the thing. Artemis 1, carrying the Orion space capsule, unmanned with AI on board the capsule, it is supposed to travel 1.3 million miles to the moon and back. And they have scrubbed the mission because of engine issues. I also read they had issues um, maybe with the, uh, the, uh, one of the fuel tanks, that there was a crack in it potentially. So I guess the weather was good. Everything was green, lit for the launch. And then upon inspection, they found that there were uh, issues with the engine and uh, potentially even issues with the, the actual structure of the rocket. So they've decided to hold off until Friday. And then they have another launch date on Monday. Now, what intrigues me about this is they've chosen Monday, the day of the moon, moon day, to launch the rocket initially. And then they chose as a backup date another Monday, next Monday. And then they've chosen as the secondary date this Friday. So because it was scrubbed this morning, they're going to try to launch it Friday. Friday is the day of Frigga. Frigga is the wife of Odin. So you have all of this imagery. You have all of this ritual. You have all of this synchronicity, all of this synchromysticism from the Commonwealth Games and the Bull to the car crashes in Los Angeles to the death of the actress Anne Hesch on Namorelia, the release of this Pink Venom video, and that was 13 days before Princess Diana's death anniversary on the 31st. And then NASA planned to launch the Artemis 1 on the 29th of August today, Monday, Moon Day, 2022, and the backup is on Friday. And they could have chosen any other day of the week that they base it, of course, on weather, uh, both space weather and uh, weather here on Earth. And uh, they've got technical issues they report. But it's really the day that they selected that interests me. It's the name of the, of the mission that interests me. Artemis 1. They have an Artemis 2 and an Artemis 3. And this rocket was supposed to launch today. It didn't. It'll maybe launch Friday if it doesn't, Monday, or they'll continue to push it back. It's already been pushed back. Uh, a couple of years. It's already been, uh, I think, a few billion dollars over budget. Uh, this particular rocket launch today, whenever they launch it, is supposed to cost just over $4 billion. So a lot of money going into that. Uh, the rocket itself, I did a little bit of research on it. The rocket itself is carrying a payload of uh, experiments. It's carrying an anti-radiation vest from Europe. I think that is uh, German uh, engineering. I think they worked with the Israelis. It's like a German-Israeli anti-radiation vest. 
Then there's also uh, a handful of um, other things on board the craft. There is a series of uh, water testers. There is a series of uh, miniature satellites. They've got something that they want to they want to be able to uh, experiment with a, a solar sail to see if they can uh, uh, meet up with an asteroid with this little device. There's also a, um, I guess, part of this rocket is carrying an experiment. They're going to smash it into the moon, probably not to get to ring like a gong, but they want to smash it into the moon uh, to test a new landing uh, procedure. Uh, and the thing is, one of these, um, one of these NASA, former NASA executive called it a Faustian bargain. That's what she called this mission. She said it was a Faustian bargain because of the Obama administration having cut NASA funding and in exchange for cutting the, fun, the funding and the financing, they, they were able to build this rocket. This, they call it the Space Launch System, SLS rocket, out of what amounts to uh, scraps that were laying around NASA. Uh, and, and people obviously bring up the, the rocket uh, basic idea of, a, of simple rocket technology and how we maybe are more advanced than that. And I understand that concept. I just feel that perhaps one of the reasons the, the technology for space exploration, it, it seems so, um, so antiquated is because we just haven't invested enough money in it. Uh, Congress hasn't allocated enough money in it to, to develop the new types of technologies that maybe could take us away from, from rocket fuel and from standard rockets. But either way you slice it, you know, when you put it all together this month, the Commonwealth Games, the Rex, Namorelia, the Pink, Venom Video, uh, we even had the VMAs this, this weekend, yesterday, uh, the Diana anniversary, the death anniversary coming up, and then you have the Artemis launch that they were trying to get off the ground this morning at 8.33 a.m., and it's also supposed to travel 1.3 million miles in total. So you put all that together, and to me... I'm not sure about you, but to me, I think that's interesting. And I think that it is more than simple coincidence, not to mention the fact that if you want to look into the mythology, as we will tonight, Artemis is the twin sister of Apollo. You know about the Apollo missions. And uh, then again, um, there are other things that maybe are even more divine on the surface. Over the weekend, Saturday, which was the beginning of the new lunar cycle, lightning came down and struck the launch pad of the Artemis mission. So lightning strikes the launch pad. That kind of sounds like a bad omen. They had to scrub the launch this morning. Lightning also struck the pad back in April. So several lightning strikes have hit the Artemis pad. Kind of a bad omen. And again, they scrubbed the, the mission this morning. So you put all this together, you've got the Artemis rocket, you've got the Orion capsule, you've got the lightning striking the launch pad on Saturday when the lunar cycle starts over. You've got Monday, the initial launch date today of the rocket, of the mission. That's Moon Day. They moved it to Friday, which is named Frigga, after the wife of Odin. Two days of the week, very important for things like this. If you're naming your missions after gods and goddesses, choose these days. The beginning of this month, end of last month, beginning of this month, the big ritual in the UK, the Commonwealth Games, this big bull, which is Hathor, which is Isis. We've had the release of this song, which focuses on, and it's hyper-viral. It focuses on the goddess Diana. We have the anniversary of Diana's death coming up. And then here is 
And you might say, well, what's the, what, why is there any connection to, to England and the Commonwealth Games? Well, one of the connections that I find quite interesting is the fact that we, we all, I mean, I think we all pretty much think that the royal family had something to do with Princess Diana's death. Um, one of these three high-profile car wrecks that took place in Los Angeles the day before Anne Hesch got in her car wreck uh, took place near Windsor Hills, which is, I find that to be not coincidental considering that the media chose to select that part of the map and say, yes, it took place to this took place close to this area rather than some other area, Windsor. And then we have the, the Commonwealth Games that signify the bull, which is Isis and Hathor, and that is Princess Diana, the actual princess, the physical Princess Diana. And then we draw down, we have this lightning drawn down to the launch pad of Artemis, and then they choose to launch the rocket on Monday, the moon day, right before the anniversary of Princess Diana, and, of course, toward the end of, of the month that, that has been just completely obsessed and compulsive over these images in pop culture, in the entertainment industry, uh, in sports. To me, that doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, I don't think that it means there's some grand conspiracy. I think what it means is there's an energetic force. There's something that is flowing that we can access and tap into. NASA clearly has tapped into it. And for those of you who know the history of NASA, NASA for decades has been compulsively obsessed with mythology. They've been compulsively obsessed with gods and goddesses and specific dates for certain types of things. Uh, the Masonic rituals, the Apollo missions, you know, the, I mean, you think about the different gods. You know, Apollo, Mercury, the Saturn rocket. These things are not mistaken. They're not accidental they choose them because this is a ritual, a rocket, which is a phallic symbol that is penetrating the heavens and it's being sent to the moon. This is the first time in, what is it, 50 years, I think it is, 50 years, we have a, a, we have a moon mission and we have all these other Diana, Selene, Artemis, Hecate, moon goddess symbols and images in pop culture and in the media over the last four weeks. It all culminates in a lightning strike drawing down the heavens to the launch pad. To me, none of that is coincidental. That doesn't mean it's a conspiracy. It just means that there is something that is underlying. There is a current beneath the physical reality that we perceive to exist. And some people are actively engaged in tapping into that force. That's what I think. I'd like to know what you think, rdgable at yahoo.com. There's a lot more after this. Please don't go anywhere. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, and we'll be back. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from davidike.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads 
and get extra perks like access to the Montage Archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you again for joining us. So on Saturday, the day of Saturn, lightning came down from the heavens and struck the launch pad of the Artemis space mission launched earlier today, Monday, August 29th, 2022. And the lightning that came down and struck the launch pad could be seen as an omen, an omen of failure or a good omen that the launch will be successful and that the mission will be successful. This is the first time in a very long time, with 50 years, that we've had a moon mission. I think a lot of people might see lightning as a bad omen for that. But what I see is lightning striking the launch pad on Saturday when the lunar cycle refreshes. So we have the new lunar cycle starting Saturday. The lightning strikes the launch pad then. The launch scheduled for earlier today, the 29th on Monday. That's moon day, the day of the moon. And the Artemis 1 mission is also carrying the Orion. That's the Orion capsule. Now, there will not be um, uh, real humans on the capsule. 
they've been planning this for a long time. I don't know all the specifics, but they've been planning this for a very long time. There are billions of dollars uh, over budget, billions and billions of dollars over budget. And uh, the mission, uh, which I believe Artemis was started in 2017, the mission is, is very, very far behind. So I find it kind of interesting, personally, I find it kind of interesting, maybe it's just totally synchronistic or totally coincidental, but that they're launching uh, this this mission to the moon the first time in 50 years. They're launching it uh, this week or even this month, uh, backup dates for early se- September. But it's interesting because of all the things we've seen uh, throughout this month from the Commonwealth Games and the Bull, which is Hathor or ISIS, to the Anne Hesh story and the other car wrecks, the congresswoman and the nurse and the Amorelia festival and the release of a, of a pop song that focused on Celine, the moon goddess, and then the princess Diana anniversary coming up this week. And then the Artemis mission and Artemis is of course named in uh, the Greek pantheon as a counterpart of Diana. So both Diana and Artemis are goddesses of the wild animal, the, the hunt, Etc. 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 And uh, they reference uh, daylight, uh, like Diana, Diam, Dias, represents sky and, and daylight. So it's very similar in terms of the etymology to Apollo, which of course is probably the most famous of the NASA missions, the Apollo missions. And then you have, of course, the Orion capsule. You have the Saturn rocket. You have the Mercury missions. NASA is clearly obsessed with the esoteric. They're clearly obsessed with mythology. They're clearly obsessed with the occult. They're clearly obsessed with things that, you know, if you were to talk about them outside of a, outside of a, a scholarly discussion on mythological uh, characters, and you would uh, assume or suggest, or, you know, pe- people assume that you were suggesting that, that these are real things, people would laugh at you. But when NASA does it, people put on shirts and say, I love science. And they don't even realize that so many of the things that NASA does, they're basing it off of old Egyptian, Greek, Roman, and other pantheons of gods and goddesses. I mean, the question that should be asked is why are they doing that? Why do they put those symbols and those images uh, onto patches? Why do they call the rockets and the capsules and the, the shuttles the things that they do? Well, it's pretty clear, it's pretty obvious when you understand the underlying, this is what I call the underlying energy or the underlying uh, flow of energy that animates the physical world. This is the, 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 one of the most ancient and oldest philosophical and religious concepts in human civilization that you can tap into and access the divine. That by praying by directing, directionalizing your attention and your will, by moving in certain ways to mimic the rotation of the planet, uh, like a whirling dervish, uh, rotating, uh, twisting, turning, putting yourself in alignment with nature, flowing with the wind. These are all things that can put you in alignment with Mother Nature, that can put you in alignment with God. And these are powerful, magical practices NASA is not, they're not below that. They actually consider themselves apparently to be um, carriers of the torch of such rituals. 
And these are things that if you look back into the ancient world, you look at, we discussed this last week, actually, we, we look at pharaohs, you look at um, emperors, kings, queens, a lot of emperors, kings, queens, pharaohs, you know, we, we kind of glorify, you know, the king and the queen and Disney has been responsible for a lot of that. The king, the queen, the princess, the prince, uh, the prince, the princess, but you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, kingdoms, uh, a lot of emperors, pharaohs, they were, I mean, we know this, obviously, if you've listened to this show, it's an obvious thing, but for some people, it's not so obvious. They were controlled uh, by, uh, well, we would call them handlers today, perhaps, but they were controlled by priests. It's pretty well known that the pharaohs in Egypt were controlled by priests. It's pretty well known that the, uh, that the kings or the emperors, uh, the leaders in uh, South America were controlled by uh, priests, uh, the emperors of, of China. I mean, they didn't really do anything. They just, their fingernails grew long and they couldn't walk. They barely could use their muscles. So they were, um, they were controlled by a priestly class. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at our, our leaders in the Western world today, they're essentially controlled by a, a priestly class in a way. And that's a tradition that NASA has, upheld today. I mean, yes, Werner von Braun, one of the original fathers of NASA, a Nazi who, like some of the Nazi party, not all of the Nazi party, were obsessed with mythology. They were obsessed with the occult. People like Jack Parsons. Jack Parsons used to sing to Pan, the goat god, and launch rockets off in the desert. None of this is speculatory none of this is conspiratorial this is just pretty mainline history if you go read about it so when nasa names their capsules their shuttles their missions etc after these gods and goddesses you start to realize at least i start to realize they're not just doing that for fun there's a reason behind it and it's not just because they want a funny clever name they're doing it because it draws the power of those things into what they're doing. It's like invoking the assistance of God. You know, maybe you're, you're um, in need or you lost your job or you have, um, you know, had a bad breakup or something. And, you know, you pray to God to help you to, to help see you through those things. Well, NASA's not praying to God to help see them through, uh, you know, tough times or defunding or anything like that. They've been doing this for, for half a century. They're naming their programs and their capsules and their, and their, and their ships and um, shuttles and rockets after gods and goddesses because it draws down the power of those things, at least hopefully, into those, those missions or into those objects. And hopefully that means they'll be successful. I mean, if you're shooting for the moon, you probably don't want to name your, your rocket after some random African god of agriculture. You would name your rocket after, well, one of the most classical Greek goddesses of the moon, Artemis. Or you could name it Diana, you know, or you could name it Selene. But you're shooting for the moon, and you've been doing this for a long time. It's taken tens of billions of dollars. You're way behind schedule. You're finally ready to do it. I mean, Artemis, the mission has been around for like five years. They've been planning to do this. 
but they chose the name Artemis to go back to the moon for that reason. Now, I don't know if NASA has a team of people that sit around and discuss when they come up with new ideas, new things, they, they pitch the idea, they try to get you know money allocated for whatever the, the program is with satellites or some, some kind of scientific experiment and all the different things that NASA does. I don't know about all of them, but I do know that it, it, they, they apparently have somebody or a group of people that work at NASA and they are proposing these names for the programs. And, for, and this is goes again, this goes back to Apollo and Mercury, the Saturn V rocket. And they say, well, we need this name will give the, the mission power. And maybe there are people at NASA who just don't don't believe that. I, I don't know. I would imagine that, you know, these are the thing is we look at NASA as this this very scientific organization, very scientific, very meticulous. You know, I've I've been to NASA myself. A lot of the the public stuff is just kind of a joke. But when you see some of the the, the real stuff there, it's not a joke. It's very serious. Whether you think that rockets are antiquated or not, it's still an amazing piece of engineering. And I think based on the, the, the standard model of what is considered acceptable in the scientific realms, we as the public aren't really allowed to question or associate men of science with things that some people would call paranoia or, you know, religious or spiritual. So either the people that are working here, these engineers are very spiritual. They are very um, aware. And in fact, I actually, the first girl I ever dated when I was in, um, when I was in college in Florida, her dad was a technician at NASA. He was not a very spiritual person. He was an atheist and he worked at NASA. So you know, just based on that experience, I'm thinking most of the people that work at NASA are just re- the regular folks. But somebody, some some group of people, they're involved in naming these missions for for these reasons. And there's a long history of this. You can read. Journalists have have done investigations and research, and people working at NASA have said this is the reason that they do certain things. This is the reason they name these missions and the way that they do. So we know that we're aware of that. That's what we do here on the Secret Teachings. This artist, uh, so we know that we're aware of that. That's what we do here on the Secret Teachings. A lot of you know that and are aware of that kind of stuff too. I was reading this article from the Hill. They broke down what the Artemis One mission is going to actually be carrying. It's going to be bringing an anti-radiation vest from Israeli and German engineers. They have a mannequin designed to simulate the female body called a Zohar, and that is going to wear the vest with radiation sensors to test how the device shields against space radiation. They have another mannequin named Helga, Zohar, Helga, Israeli, German, uh, that will not be equipped with a vest, uh, but it will serve as a kind of a control. So they have uh, mannequins on board. Another one called the Commander Munikin Campos is going to wear an Orion spacesuit because this is an unmanned mission uh, that they had planned to launch. Uh, They're going to try to do it Friday now. It's also carrying something called the uh, Lunar Ice Cube, which is designed to study water distribution and interaction on the moon. The NEA Scout, which remember when there wasn't water on the moon, there is water on the moon. Uh, The NEA Scout is going to use a solar sail to perform a flyby of a small Earth-approaching asteroid. And then there's the Omo 
Tanashi, O-M-O-T-E-N-A-S-H-I, which is going to attempt a semi-hard landing on the surface of the moon to test that kind of technology for cheap and small landers. It's also carrying, and this has been in the news, science folks are interested in this, 10 CubeSats, which are satellites as a secondary payload, and uh, along with all those other ones I mentioned, the one thing that really interested me when I was reading about this is that not only does the machine itself, they, they built this SLS rocket, and the, the mission itself is to test all this stuff. They also have a new AI type of technology on board called, um, like a, it's a virtual assistant. It's basically an Amazon Alexa adapted for NASA. But one of the uh, former NASA administrators, Deputy NASA Administrator Lori Garver, said that the mission was a Faustian bargain. Now, if you know about the story of Faust, he made a deal with the devil. And although you say something like that, Faustian bargain, it sounds really dark, really evil. You know, lightning strikes the launch pad in April. It strikes the launch pad again this weekend. And it kind of gives you a, maybe a bad taste in your mouth if you're, uh, you're following this type of thing really closely. It's a bad omen, right? Uh, rocketry is very delicate, uh, very... Um, very uh, fussy, very particular. So a lot of bad things can happen, even if there aren't men or women on board the, the rocket itself in the capsule. So she said it was like a Faustian bargain, but she was referring to how Barack Obama's administration canceled uh, Project Constellation, which was a mission to the moon, and that um, basically NASA agreed and Congress agreed in exchange for the cancellation of that that uh, moon mission, they would get to build something called the Space Launch System using engines and other parts left over from the space shuttle. So a Faustian bargain, one mission is shut down, another mission, Artemis, actually began in 2017, sometime the end of 2017. Uh, the launch today, which has been pushed to the end of the week, costs just over $4 billion, so lots of money. They put a lot of money into this, it's been delayed a long time, and now it's been delayed again. They've got all these different scientific engineering experiments on board the the uh, the rocket. Uh, the Orion capsule is the uh, capsule that they're sending up with the Artemis. And uh, again, NASA Administrator Lori Garver said it was a Faustian bargain. So that kind of gives you um, another kind of a dark omen-like feeling to the whole thing. And of course, you know, the, the, the whole building of a, of, a, of a rocket, a new launch system, the SLS, using, and this is a direct quote from uh, The Hill, using engines and other parts left over from the space shuttle. It kind of sounds like they're pulling this stuff together in a scrapyard. It's like just junk laying around. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's junk. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's complex, uh, complex engines, technology things I, I sh- surely don't understand. But a, a lot of people will obviously say, that why are we using, they'll ask, why are we using this kind of technology? Don't we have more advanced technology than this? Don't we have more advanced kinds of, uh, kinds of propulsion systems? And, I mean, you could argue that we're basically using the same type of technology today that we used during the Apollo missions, which, I mean, it's the same concept, but the, but the technology has advanced. I mean, uh, protections for space equipment has advanced. I mean, this mission itself is, is testing uh, radi- anti-radiation vests and 
uh, uh, water testers and, and new landing systems. And so they're, they're, they're doing a lot of a lot of experiments. I think part of the reason we have this, quote, old technology is because we're just not investing enough money in it. I mean, could you imagine if we put the money into NASA or, you know, maybe we we tried to create uh, policies that would, would allow for more companies like SpaceX to take control of, uh, of the exploration of space. And we, we had um, basically a space race to design new technologies, new propulsion systems, et cetera. We put all the money into that, that we put into just name one thing. I mean, the money that we spent on air conditioning in Afghanistan or the, the money that um, they, they, we've sent to Ukraine. I mean, we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. That's a lot of Artemis launches. And they, you know, that's the thing like, oh, it's $4 billion for one launch. Oh, it's a lot of money. It's more money than I'll ever see in my life. But we just hand foreign countries a lot of times that are hostile to us hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, what did Joe Biden give Ukraine back in 2018? A billion dollars. Just a billion here, a billion there, 10 billion there, 100 billion there, another billion, 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 billion. I mean, we, we could invest some of that in, in this kind of technology because there's a lot of stuff you can do in space. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I mean, you can research everything from the human body to the growing of plants to, I mean, they're researching, uh, they're planning to research uh, sexual intercourse in space. A lot of people probably signing up for that. Um, uh, I mean, everything. So you can do a lot of stuff in space, of course. Then you get people that say space doesn't exist. Space isn't real. There's no such thing as space. There's no such thing as, you know, the earth doesn't even exist or it's a plane. And I think a lot of that has been organized and perpetuated by intelligence agencies. This is my belief by intelligence agencies and by the algorithms on social media, because they want you to think that we're alone and that there's nothing beyond earth and not even beyond our solar system. There isn't even a solar system. There's nothing beyond earth. There's nothing. It's just us. And that's part of the idea and the ideology and the belief system and the viewpoint that we are inferior. We are insignificant. We are carbon-based. Carbon is poison. We could get each other sick, so cover your face. Don't go outside. Lock yourself down. Quarantine, even if you're not sick. So humans are diseased. Humans are a pollution to the planet. And it, our world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, you know, population is not the issue. The issue is that we are, we are not having enough children. And that's something that Elon Musk has talked about. He said recently, and, and it's part of the reason that he wants to go into space, go to go into the stars. And he said he, he built the Tesla company to protect life on earth. And he said he built SpaceX company to extend life beyond earth. Now that we're seeing a new, it's not a manned mission, but we're seeing a new mission into, into space, a new mission to the moon, it would be nice if this would inspire people to, to look again into the heavens and to look into future possibilities for the human race. But we seem to be trapped. We seem to be locked in and unconcerned about what is above us or even what is around us. We seem to be totally absorbed by... Um, a material mechanism that does not want us to look beyond, that does not want us to look to a, a future 
whether it's here on Earth or it's beyond the stars. So Elon Musk said that here's, here's the big issue. Population collapse due to low birth rates is a much bigger risk to civilization than global warming. And he followed it up with mark these words. Now there are increasing, or rather I should say decreasing, decreasing birth rates, but there's an increase in decreasing birth rates across the world, especially for Europeans. And for some reason, it's offensive to say that, to say that there's a, a, a declining birth rate for uh, some European groups, um, well, white people in particular, that is considered somehow racist. Personally, I don't see how that's racist. I also think there's a, there's a birth issue in the black community because Planned Parenthood kills, well, it's 40% of all abortions are black babies from less than 7% of the entire population in the United States. But there is a, you know, a problem with low birth rates across the world. And that is a much bigger risk to civilization than global warming. I agree with Elon Musk, and I think that we certainly have our priorities in the wrong place. I mean, I'm not saying we should dump hundreds of billions of dollars into uh, space shuttles and, and rockets and new technologies so we can study rocks. Not that that's as simple as it is, but we should be investing money into programs like that. Like I personally, I, I would rather see hundreds of billions of dollars go into, well, I mean, it could be private companies like SpaceX or it could be, could be NASA. I just want to see money go into funding um, technologies and funding things that are going to lead us to a, a better place. Uh, and I don't think investing so heavily in what will probably be quite antiquated technology in the next five to 10 years, investing in green energy by forcing the investment, by forcing people to accept it and to buy it and highly subsidizing it, that doesn't, that doesn't really work. We could put more money perhaps into space programs and space exploration. A lot of great things can be done in space. I'm not saying that's where we should put all of our money, but rather than just throwing hundreds of billions of dollars into the black hole that is Ukraine, we could do a lot of, a lot of good with that money. And I don't mean getting rid of student debt. These are just much more complex issues, and I'm not making a, a political statement or politic, taking a political stance here. I'm just saying we throw so much money away, we could be investing it in the future of space exploration. And this is where people like Elon Musk come into play because he's got SpaceX for this purpose. And that's probably what it's going to be. It's going to be private companies that are going to take us to the next level in terms of space um, travel and space exploration. But Elon Musk is right. We have a declining birth rate around the world, um, generally speaking, not every place, not every culture. But that is a bigger threat to the planet than global warming. I mean, honestly, uh, we could... We could sit here and probably name uh, threats to the planet that are greater than global warming that could easily be fixed, and they deal in space, and they deal with, uh, well, first of all, we have a lack of funding for those things. That is the, the asteroid uh, deflection programs. We've talked about those on the show before, preparing uh, the power grid for massive solar flares, which th these are all things in the news uh, the last couple of days. Vast sunspots. Uh, the sun is approaching its peak in 2025, so it's going to have a lot more activity. The sunspot AR3085, I read about this earlier today, has been shooting off minor solar flares. 
Uh, the thing has um, grown tenfold just this last week. Massive, massive sunspot. And, uh, well, of course, we're told the sun doesn't have much of an effect on the climate or the environment, but, but it has you know, almost all the effect on the climate and the environment. But I guess the, the, the point is, the point I'm getting at here is that the sun is extremely active and there are things that we could do to bolster our power grid and cheap things, and yet we're not investing in practical solutions to power grid collapse. We're not investing in space exploration, which can lead to uh, perhaps the curing of new diseases or new, new technologies. Uh, I mean, they're testing this anti-radiation vest. God knows what else they're testing in secret. I mean, I'm sure they have. They have a lot of uh, things that we don't hear about, we don't talk about that are, you know, programs that aren't officially launched, just private companies. We, we don't know exactly what's going on in space. But then you just have people that don't believe that space even exists. So it's, a, it's kind of a complicated uh, situation. It's kind of a complicated scenario. But we're going to come back here in a few minutes on The Secret Teachings, Monday, August 29th, 2022. We're going to talk a little bit more about what Elon Musk said because we are supposed to be aware of the Elon according to Werner von Braun. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS app store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio.
This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. You can find our archive there. And if you have the means to do so, you can subscribe to the ad-free archive. You get access to our montages, digital versions of my books, early access to the show, and a private RSS feed. You can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings, and tst underscore underscore radio. I'm asking you to please go to Apple Podcasts. It is free. Search for the show and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the broadcast Monday through Friday. If you're a new listener, again, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m., to Midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on GroundZero.radio. It also airs on a number of other streams that pick up GroundZero.radio, and you can find us on the Aftermath FM app as well. We do have replays. I'm not sure how they are. I think they're randomly selected throughout the day if you tune into GroundZero.radio Aftermath FM app. So please do that. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Really, really, really would appreciate that. Also, my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is available on the website. There is a link for it. You can read about the book, and you can grab a copy. Earlier tonight, I thanked all the people who have bought a copy of that book so far, and I really, really appreciate all of you who have uh, purchased my other books as well because we don't have any kind of backing financially. It is you buy a book, you subscribe, we're on air. It's as simple as that. So thank you so much, and I mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. So this weekend, Saturday, day of Saturn, 27th, August, 2022, started the new lunar cycle. On Saturday, lightning also came down from the heavens and struck the launch pad of the Artemis One mission. Launchpad 39B at NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida, the host of the very highly anticipated Artemis 1 moon mission, a moon mission that is billions of dollars over budget and years delayed, and now delayed again this morning because of engine problems and a potential crack in the rocket itself. So they're going to, tr- they're going to try to launch it Friday. The lightning bolt came down and struck the launch pad bolts came close to the Artemis 1 stack, a space launch system mega rocket topped by the Orion crew capsule with three even hitting pad 39B's lightning towers. So yes, they do have lightning towers on this launch pad. 
and the launch pad itself was still struck. Some of the lightning hit the towers. But what I find to be incredible about that is it almost feels like a really bad omen. Really bad omen, first of all. They also had lightning strikes going back a few months. Um, the lightning towers, of course, did their jobs. Uh, but one of 39B's three towers was uh, struck in April during an Artemis 1 fueling test. So we've had a couple lightning strikes at this launch pad. Could be seen as a bad omen. Could be seen as a good omen, perhaps, especially when we're dealing with gods and goddesses. We're dealing with drawing down the power of the heavens, of the planets, planetary energies and signatures, etc. Now, a lot of people may have noticed that Artemis is a Greek goddess. Pretty obvious. Artemis is a pretty well-known name. Artemis is a pretty well-known goddess, the goddess of nature, goddess of vegetation, goddess of hunting, goddess of the wilderness. Now, she's not traditionally, like in pop culture, she's not traditionally seen as a moon goddess, but she is a moon goddess. It's not a stretch. It's not imagination. Artemis is the Greek counterpart of the Roman Diana. Likewise, Diana is a little bit more known as the goddess of the moon, but she is goddess of vegetation, hunting, animals. She's also the patron of maidens, young girls, of pregnant women, and of children. Artemis plays the same part, just slightly different in Greece, but pretty much the same part. Diana and Artemis are basically cultural sisters or cousins. So Artemis, the name chosen for this moon mission, Artemis is a moon goddess, and a lot of people, I think, stop right there and think, well, they just named it the Artemis program, which was set up in 2017. They just named it Artemis because, well, it's just a clever name. They're going to the moon, so why not name it after a moon goddess? But I find that interesting because if you were going to name it after a moon goddess and it was that simple, why wouldn't you pick a more well-known moon goddess? Why not call the mission Jehovah? Jehovah is a well-known moon god. Why not choose the name Selene? Selene is far more known to be a moon goddess than uh, somebody like Artemis. Unless you have people that are working at NASA who are much more well-versed on Greek, Roman, Egyptian pantheons of gods and goddesses. And if you do understand these ideas and why they name these things this way, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that it's not an accident. It's not random. They're choosing that name because it bestows upon the mission that authority and that power. Apollo, Mercury, the Saturn V rocket, you name it. I mean, the capsule is called Orion, and this isn't like a one-off. This isn't a one-off thing. In fact, this mission to the moon is going to have, um, it's going to have a little device on it that is going to test a solar sail that is going to, I guess, they're going to do a flyby of an asteroid. So there's a possibility, a possibility that some of the other stuff on this on this mission, we only know a few things. We know, we know about the the cube satellites, the water tester, the uh, well, they have like a landing test plan for the moon. They're going to crash something into the moon. Maybe it'll ring like a gong again. 
and they have a solar sail uh, NIA scout, it's called, using a solar sail to perform a flyby of a small Earth-approaching asteroid. And that reminded me, we did a show a, a while ago. This was like months and months and months ago. It could, could have been like a year ago even now. It might have been a year ago. It's called Comet Relief. And we talked about uh, different comets and asteroids. And we actually talked about the Artemis mission on that show. And they had planned to return to the moon in 2024. Artemis is, of course, the twin sister of Apollo. So they didn't choose that name by accident. So in, in other words, I mean, whether it's Diana in Rome or it's Artemis in, in Greece, Artemis is the twin sister of Apollo. That's the original moon program, of course, which ju- this just marks a long tradition of using mythology and symbols in space exploration. And, um, you know, we have these comets and asteroids and these different things that we name Apophis, which is the god of uncreation. Um, it was last year, Chinese scientists sent rockets to meet an, a- an asteroid named Bennu uh, in order to experiment with deflection techniques in case of a potentially hazardous event. Uh, the United States did the same thing with Project Hammer for Bennu. Bennu is a very important name. That's why I'm bringing it up. The U.S. tested the DART project for the asteroid Didymus. That was last year. I think they've done a couple of tests, actually, with, uh, with the DART system. I think I've read a few of those. Um, but anyway, the NASA mission to study Bennu uses the name Osiris. O-S-I-R-I-S uses the name Osiris. And uh, Bennu is the bird of Osiris. And in the sanctuary of this bird is the Ben-Ben stone. All these things that we confine to a mythology class or a mythology book or total fantasy, the top engineers, the top scientists, the top space experts, the top rocket engineers, rocket scientists whether direct participation is involved or they're simply working on these programs and projects not really aware of, of, of the occult significance, which I would assume a lot of them are aware of it. I mean, basically, a lot of the people that are working at NASA on these programs and projects, like I told you, I, the first girl I ever dated for a couple of months, her dad was a NASA engineer. I went to their house over in Titusville, Florida. He had he was he met everybody. He knew everybody. He had all these famous people he had met pictures on the wall and he was like he was like an atheist i think so i don't i mean i say i think because i don't know exactly i didn't get to know him that well but i think he was like an atheist so he wasn't he wasn't uh you know promoting this kind of thing believing in this kind of thing clearly there are people at nasa who do believe in the supernatural so when you put all this together you basically have people working on these programs that are basically like the, the music uh, 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 talent that perform in these music videos with all this imagery, like the Pink Venom video we talked about last week. In essence, you have people that are behind the scenes that are making the videos, writing the lyrics, and then you just have the performers that are out there performing. You have people that are writing the, the script, the writing the story, writing the idea, the imagery, the, the, the whole concept of the mission uh, for NASA and the different names of the gods and goddesses. And then you have people that are performing it. You have people that are building the rockets. They're putting the mission together. They're doing the day-to-day technical things. But it's all about building a system, building a a, a literal system like a rocket. Uh, It's all about building uh, an altar, a shrine. That's what the launch pad is. 
which got struck by lightning. I mean, whether you consider these types of things to be coincidence or perhaps you consider them to be positive or negative omens, it tells us that there's a lot more involved in the perceived mundaneness of everyday life. We today, when we look back in the ancient world and we think of people in robes and doing chants and burning incense and sacrificing animals and things like that, we do the same types of things today. I mean, look at that 10,000 person crowd that gathered in Warwickshire to watch the, what they called a cathartic burning of the COVID-19 temple. Literally, they built a temple to COVID-19 and to the quote unquote victims. And then 10,000 people gathered to watch them burn the temple down. And they said that the letters and the pictures they put in the temple when it burned, those messages would be carried up into the heavens. I mean, this is in 2022. This isn't in like the year 1022. This is in 2022. We're doing stuff like that. We have altars and shrines to 9-11. Uh, we have pieces of the, of the Twin Towers that are like shrines and altars. Um, we, we do this with, I mean, whether it's a terrorist attack or in the case of, um, uh, of COVID-19, uh, it's a so-called deadly random novel virus. Or, I mean, we even had uh, that one nurse who went viral for making a, a, a chandelier, uh, a, just a very ritualistic kind of a looking thing because it, it actually, in my opinion, some people agree, some people disagree. It reminds me of the Tower of Babel, what she made out of vaccine vials. And so they're doing the same thing at NASA, and they've done this for half a century they're naming these programs after the gods and goddesses. I mean, I, a lot of people haven't heard of the Osiris um, uh, part of the, the, the NASA mission. They use the, the name Osiris uh, to study the Bennu asteroid. Bennu is the bird of Osiris. I mean, you have to really have an understanding of these things. And if you have that deep of an understanding of these things, you're not doing them. Um, trying to think of how to say this. Clearly, you're not doing them accidentally, but you, there's a deeper reason why you're doing them, I believe. Maybe you don't believe me, that's fine, but I believe. I believe that there's a deeper reason behind them. If you have that level of knowledge and you go to that extent to incorporate those beliefs into these programs, then this is not accidental. We're not really looking so much at, at raw science as we are looking at the ancient version of science, which was mixing mythology and mixing magic and ritual together. So observing nature is science, but it's also mythology and it's also magic and it's also ritual. And that's what NASA is doing. NASA is mixing all these things together. It's yes, science. Oh, science. But it's also mythology. It's also, which is clear. It's also magic. It's also ritual. I mean, yes, you have to, I'm not a rocket scientist, but you have to make sure that, um, you have to make sure that everything is basically perfect. Uh, the weather conditions are just right. Um, the launch system is just right. You know, the fueling is just right. Like it's, it's a very precise form of mathematics and engineering that goes into that, which is very ritualistic because if you're performing a ritual where you have your athame you have your bowl of water or your, you have your incense, which is fire and smoke, fire, air. You have your bowl of water. You have your, or you have a chalice of water, liquid. So you got liquid water. 
uh, and then maybe you have some salt for earth. You have your four elements. You have your athame. I mean, it depends on what you're doing, but just in traditional ceremonial magic, you have all that, and you have to, depending upon how much you believe in what you're doing and what you're trying to do, um, sticking more so to the side of what we would call white magic. We're not trying to summon demons. We're trying to realign our senses and we're trying to communicate with our, I, I guess there's so much I could say, trying to communicate with your holy guardian angel, very Rosicrucian, very um, golden dawn, but you know, other people perform magic. It's basically meditation. So whatever it is you're trying to do, you do it in a certain way because that pattern helps to invoke those ideas and those those images in the mind, and that allows you to more easily progress through the ritual and to obtain what it is you, you, you're trying to obtain in, in the ritual uh, performance, in the ceremony. NASA's doing the same thing. I mean, in essence, NASA's, NASA's history is filled not so much with moon missions and rocket launches. It's filled with occult rituals. I mean, just the basic idea of a rocket ship launching, a rocket ship is phallic, and it penetrates the womb of the heavens. I mean, think about uh, the, the sky goddess in Egypt and how she's stretched over the, the earth, which is the earth god. And so you have Nut and you have Geb in Egypt, and they're stretched over each other, the sky mother, and the earth god. So you're literally sending a phallus from Geb, and it's penetrating Nut, the sky goddess. That is an alchemical sexual ritual. It's no mistake. Maybe that's why they continue to use rockets, even though we can assume technology has progressed beyond simple rocketry. I mean, Werner von Braun came out of nowhere. I mean, the, the rockets that that man designed, and we haven't really done a lot. I mean, there's hypersonic weapons, there's laser-guided weapons, there's smart bombs, all kinds of stuff today. I get that. But we're still using rockets to launch things into space. That seems pretty antiquated. It could just be because we don't have enough money put into it to make the, make the technological progressions. But I think part of it is because we're using rockets, which are phallic, we're launching them from Geb and we're inserting them into nut, into the sky goddess. It, it's, it's ritualistic. I mean, you can say what you want. You can make fun of me. I'm not saying that's all that it is. I'm saying that on a deeper esoteric level, it's about impregnating the sky goddess. It's about drawing down the blessings. So think about it like this. You send up the phallic rocket. It, it impregnates the sky goddess, and then she brings blessings those blessings could be rain. Those blessings could be children. Those blessings could be divine inspiration. Regardless of what they are or how you interpret it, it is nevertheless a phallic symbol injected into the female from the male, Geb into Nut. And then she provides us with blessings, which is why they name the program Artemis to begin with, because not only is it going to the moon, but you want the blessings of the moon goddess. You want the blessings of Artemis. You want the blessings of Diana. You want the blessings of Selene. You want the blessings of Jehovah. It's no different than why the scientists at CERN have a giant Shiva statue outside. 
it, it, it's, it's no different than, and you probably have family members who have done this. Think about it. You have family members, distant cousins, relatives, where they try to time, or maybe you've done it. You try to time your pregnancy so you get pregnant and you have a baby at a certain time of the year. Commoners do that. Peasants do that. The proletariat does that. What do you think people in positions of power do? I mean, look at the birth of, 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 Di- of Princess Diana's children. It was strategically planned. It, it's not an accident. It's strategically planned. So they're going that far so that their children are born on certain days. And we might think that's crazy, but we do it too as, from their point of view, common people. This is not a, an accident. And this is not something that is confined to the, the ancient pagan world. You know, like Prince William, for example, was born on June 21st. What is June 21st? It's literally the summer solstice. That's not an accident. We do this. People that consider themselves to be royal do this. And when you're dealing with the great beyond, the expanse of space, you name your missions after gods and goddesses and after deities that are powerful, that have the ability to assist you in the things that you're doing. It's a magical ritual. That's why Apollo, that's why Artemis, that's why the Saturn rocket, that's why the Mercury missions, that's why the Osiris missions, that's why they have the ritualistic patches, that's why they have the ritualistic launch dates. It's not just because of the weather, but it's also because of the weather, because we, we pray to the gods that we have, a, have a, a good time to perform this ritual to launch the rocket from Geb into Nut to get the blessings of the goddess so that she will allow us to pass through the ferment, if you will, and reach our destination. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if they are having ritualistic prayer sessions at NASA for these missions. And we might consider, we might laugh at that and think, oh, that's superstitious. Well, sure, it might be superstitious, but I mean, what do you do every day that's superstitious? You ever think about that? You do a lot of things that are superstitious you don't even think about. And when you're dealing with with highly delicate machinery and you're dealing with, they're not even dealing with people's lives in this, this Artemis mission today, but you're dealing with uh, things that are ultra powerful and that are going beyond Earth and therefore you request the assistance of, of the gods in those endeavors. Plus, since we're going back to the moon for the first time in 50 years and they're doing it basically the, the, the week of, I mean, it is the week of, it's the 29th today, the week of the anniversary of Princess Diana's death, the 25th anniversary, and they're going back to the moon for the first time in 50 years. Artemis, in Greek tradition, is the daughter of the sky god and king of the gods, Zeus, and the twin sister of Apollo. So the Apollo mission and the twin of the Apollo mission going back to the moon is Artemis. And the Greek sky god Zeus 
or I think it's easier to understand if you look at the Greek sky goddess Nut and the earth god Geb. We usually don't think about the earth being a god, but the earth is a god, the sky is a goddess, the earth is a goddess, the sky is a god. That's why sometimes the moon is Jehovah, it's male, and sometimes the moon is Selene, it's female. And sometimes you name your programs after gods and goddesses because you want to invoke their power. I've talked about the drawing down of the moon ceremony that Wiccans and pagans use to draw down the influence and the essence and the energy of the moon into the the woman that performs uh, the ceremony in the coven or in the, depending on what your your practice is uh, in your in your cult. Uh, I don't mean that as a negative cult. This is the same thing that they're doing at NASA. The launch pad is the altar. They launch the phallic rocket from the male earth, penetrating the female goddess, and they are trying to draw down her blessings for this mission to the moon. None of that is coincidental, not to mention the capsule is it's unmanned on this Artemis mission, but it's called Orion. And Orion is, of course, Orion, the great hunter, goddess of the hunt, Artemis, they're shooting for the moon and they're using the divine energies, essences, and influences in order to achieve assistance and that which they choose to experiment with and that which they choose to to accomplish. There are lots of things, not just going to the moon, that I'm sure that they're looking to do. It's not a conspiracy. It's just interesting. I'm going to tell you more about it when we come back from break. Elon Musk says, and remember, Werner von Braun said, beware the Elon. When he talked about Mars, a technical tale, a book he wrote, Elon Musk says the big issue is not climate change. It is population reduction. It is low birth rates. We're going to talk a little bit about that and how that has anything to do with the Artemis mission and with space exploration. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We're shooting for the moon tonight, and we'll be back. Want to hear more of the Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info this is linda godfrey author of monsters among us and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable broadcasting from somewhere between heaven hell and purgatory it's the secret teachings on ground zero radio release the kraken
you could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and the secret teachings with myself, Brian Gable. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. So we know a little bit about the sky goddess and the earth god, sort of reversed in the Egyptian pantheon than we would normally think of the earth as being the goddess and the sky as being the god. Every culture has their own version of the goddess and the god, and they take many different forms. For example, Hathor in Egypt has horns, and this relates to both the bull, but it also relates to, secondarily, the movement of the planet Venus in the heavens, creating a dip in the sky over a period of years, and then you get these two points, you get the horns, the sun rising in between them, so you get the sun between the horns, which is also the woman's leg spread giving birth to the sun. Hathor is a lesser deity in comparison with Isis. So in essence, Hathor is an expression 
of ISIS at a lower level. And that is the imagery we saw, Hathor, ISIS. I didn't see Baal or Moloch. I understand what it looks like, but I saw ISIS and Hathor at the Commonwealth Games. And then I saw a trinity of high-profile car crashes. I saw Anne Hesh ritually have her organs taken and then have the cord pulled on her life support on the date of Namorelia, which is the celebration of the goddess Diana. And then I saw on the 18th of August a song that went ultra-mega viral around the world called Pink Venom and how that song promoted and honored the goddess Diana, Artemis, or Selene. And that's 13 days before Princess Diana's anniversary, the 25th anniversary of her death on the 31st, which is obviously a reverse of 13, which was the original date of the name Aurelia Diana Festival. So they invert the date 31st. And then you get the negative personification of the goddess in her black form. Isis takes a black form. There's the black Madonna, the black version of Diana. You get this character named Hecate, who has the black dogs. Hecate oversees the crossroads. She's a sorceress. She's known by many things. Hecate is also, since she's the goddess of the crossroads, you think road, road, roads, all those car crashes on roads. Some images, interestingly enough, have Hecate with multiple faces and multiple arms. So she has sort of this look to her, depending on the depiction, of kind of, uh, kind of like a Shiva-like look to her. And yes, Shiva is a goddess of destruction, but Shiva is a goddess of a, of a lot more than just destruction. Um, a lot of these gods and goddesses are because of time and because of culture and cultural clashes that are both positive and negative, uh, peaceful and violent. You have a mixture of different things. So some gods and goddesses are brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. They're distant cousins. They have children. They are their own children. I mean, that's no more confusing than Jesus being his, his own father and all that kind of thing. So Hecate, her day, the 31st, is the negative of Diana. And in the middle of all of this, from a sporting event to car crashes and celebrities in Hollywood to the music industry, the death date of Diana, the anniversary coming up this week, and then NASA today had scheduled their Artemis rocket launch with Orion capsule, part of the Artemis program. They have three set missions unmanned, set to launch this morning at 8.33 to 10.33 a.m. NASA time, that's Florida time. On Saturday, this Saturday, lightning struck the launch pad it also did the same thing back in april it struck some of the lightning rods to protect the launch pad that's why they placed them there but it struck the launch pad it could have easily damaged it and pushed the mission back way further than what they had planned it's already been pushed back way further or pushed ahead way further they've already spent billions over budget but they're launching artemis this last week today was the launch date launching Artemis this last week of August, when we've had all this other imagery, all this other pop culture reference, 
sporting events, celebrities in Hollywood, and pop culture, music industry productions, all focused, all centered on the goddess, on the moon, on Selene, on Jehovah, on Artemis, which is the Greek counterpart of Diana, which is the Roman version of the moon goddess. So I don't know about you, but to me, that is not coincidental. I don't know about you, but to me, there is a much deeper reason for why NASA chooses to name their programs, missions, capsules, rockets, space shuttles, etc. after these kinds of things. It's the same reason that the U.S. military, and I talk about this in my new book, Liberty Shrugged, the U.S. military names their helicopters and their rockets and things like that after Native American tribes. A lot of people say it's cultural appropriation. They're taking the names after they've taken the land and killed all the Indians. Well, history is not that simple, and it's not that black and white. If you read my book, Liberty Shrugged, there's an entire chapter on Native American relations. It's a big chapter, probably one of my favorite chapters. I didn't expect to write it, but I wrote it last minute before I published the book. You can get a copy at thesecretteachings.info and only at thesecretteachings.info, Liberty Shrugged. But I talked about this in the book, the Chinook helicopter, the Black Hawk helicopter, the Tomahawk missile, and the list goes on on the Black Hawk helicopter is probably the most famous. But you have these different names that are applied to military equipment. Why? Because the Black Hawk, the Tomahawk, these were feared tribes or feared weapons. They were powerful, and the U.S. military names their equipment after these things, so it gives it more power. It's magic. You can laugh, you can scoff, you can poo-poo, you can troll, you can sock puppet, you can do whatever you want to do making fun of it. I'm not the one naming a rocket after a tomahawk. I'm not the one naming a plane or a helicopter after a tribe. Where is the hatred, by the way, a separate issue? Where's the hatred for the U.S. military about that? We all got to get rid of the Redskins. Can't have Redskins up in Washington. Can't have this team use that symbol. Can't have the, the, the Chicago Blackhawks. But you can actually have a Blackhawk helicopter, and that's okay. Personally, I think it's, it's totally acceptable because there are re- different reasons why people do things. There, there are sometimes people do things because it's mockery. Sometimes people do things because they want to acquire the essence of that image or that idea that they're using. The tomahawk is a powerful symbol. The black hawk is a powerful symbol. That's why NASA names the missions the way that they do. They're powerful symbols. If you're going to go back to the moon and you're going to do it in parallel historically with the Apollo missions, which that has its own unique history, you don't name the mission, pick a god or a goddess. You don't name the mission from some random god of agriculture in Africa. You know, you're not naming the mission Quetzalcoatl. It doesn't make any sense. There's no reference. I mean, we could probably find reference points, but there's no there's no reference that that doesn't make any sense. Why would a mission to the moon be called Quetzalcoatl? Why would it be called Tezcatlipoca? Why would it be called uh, anything else? Even Osiris. Why would you call the mission to the moon Osiris? That doesn't make sense. 
you would call it Jehovah, Selene, Diana, or Artemis. And you can find moon goddesses in any other culture, but obviously uh, the, the founders of NASA, Werner von Braun, they were very inspired by ancient Greek, ancient Roman, ancient Egyptian, I mean, even Indian and, and Asian. They were inspired by a lot of things. But Greek and Roman in particular, which was a great inspiration for the United States of America, the, the architecture, you know, Capitol Hill, Capitoline Hill, uh, the seven hills of Rome, so when you look at it, you realize the inspiration of the culture and the, and, and the essence of, of the deities they believed in is just incorporated into our culture. That's why they're naming these things, the, what they're naming them. That's the Saturn V rocket. You couldn't find a better name for the Saturn V rocket. Saturn is the name of the rocket. That makes sense. Probably the most unbelievable piece of engineering, one of the most believable pieces of engineering that humans have ever built. Uh, it still stands in a in a top category, and if if you ever seen a thing in person, they have uh, the one hanging up in the uh, the dining hall at Kennedy Space Center, and a lot of that stuff at Kennedy, to be fair, is just kind of like, are they trying to? Is this a joke? I'm I'm pretty sure that that's not what that doesn't look real. A lot of the stuff there is kind of garbage for the public, but they have some real stuff there, and it's amazing. Uh, the engineering. Look at the engines on that thing. It's like the size of a house. Some people don't believe that you know the moon landing ever happened. Some people don't believe the moon was is a real thing. Some people think that the Earth isn't real. Some people think that humans aren't even real. That's just it's all a computer simulation. It's all part of a mind game. I, so there's a lot of different ways we could approach this, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you look at those things. That rocket doesn't say Mars. That rocket doesn't say Venus. That rocket says Saturn. Big, dense, heavy, powerful Saturn. That makes sense. We're going to send a mission to the moon. First time since Apollo. What do we name it? We don't name it Bigfoot. We don't name it Bob. We name it Artemis, the sister of Apollo. It's the sister of the Apollo missions, the sister of Apollo. And we launch it on a Monday, hopefully on a Monday. Because Monday is moon day. That's why we choose to launch it on a Monday. Uh, this, none of this is coincidental. None of this is accidental. They choose this intentionally. The only other day you could launch it on is maybe a Friday because Friday is named after the goddess as well. Different kind of a goddess, though. Frigga. Frigga was the wife of Odin, very, very powerful female deity. So you could launch it on a Friday. And in fact, NASA had backup launch dates set for September 2nd and September 5th, which would be Friday and Monday, respectively. I'm sure that's all coincidental, too. We can't launch it on Monday, so let's launch it on Friday. That's the only other day of the week it would work. And if we can't do it Friday, we'll push it back to the next Monday. They want to launch it on that day because of the power of that day, the moon day, or Frigga, the wife of Odin. You cannot get much more feminine, much more power, uh, powerful feminine than that. That's why they choose those dates. Again, this is not a conspiracy. This is a fact. There's a, there's a reason that is deeper than just coincidence of why they choose these things and why they, why they want to 
uh, to name these things the way that they name them because they're powerful. They want to draw down the essence of those powers. And that's what you need to remember and that's what you need to think about, at least to understand where I'm coming from tonight. There's, there's so much more we could discuss. There's so much more we, I just, I don't have, um, you know, I haven't, I don't have like a, a, a long list of, uh, of things that, uh, about the Artemis mission that I thought were as uh, valid as these points. So that's why I focused on them. What you have is the launch pad, the earth, the phallic rocket launched from the earth, penetrating the sky. You have Geb on earth, you have nut in the sky, you have the male impregnating the female, and you have the divine essences pouring down to the earth. And we hope to achieve new science, new engineering, new technology, new things about space travel, new information. We're looking for the wisdom of the gods and the goddesses, the wisdom of the heavens, the wisdom of the stars. We're looking for the gods to reward us for our hard work. And we're penetrating the sky, penetrating the woman. We're getting the goddess pregnant, and she is bestowing the blessings upon us. Or at least we hope that the Artemis mission provides us with with new blessings, again, new technologies and new ways that we could uh, potentially have future space travel. And that's what a lot of this is about, about future space travel. Because, you know, Elon Musk, SpaceX really showed up NASA because NASA doesn't have a lot of funding. And the, the founder of SpaceX, Elon Musk, has been very, very vocal about space exploration and about moving in the future to other planets and other star systems because we don't have just one Earth. We have probably unlimited Earths. We have unlimited resources in the universe. We basically have unlimited resources here on planet Earth as long as we adapt to what we're using and find new technologies and things like that. There's unlimited resources in the universe. So we explore and go, that's what Elon Musk wants to do. And a lot of people don't like him because of that or because they think that's some kind of like conservative viewpoint, I guess. I think that's a very liberating idea, though. Why wouldn't we not want to explore the solar system? Why would we not want to explore the cosmos? Why would we not want to explore other planets and, and not just with probes, but by sending humans there. Why don't we strive for something bigger and something better? Why do we just conceal ourselves from everything else around us? We conceal ourselves from, from the concept of God and divinity. We conceal ourselves from the heavens. We shut down NASA funding in large part. One of the NASA, uh, uh, I think she was an administrator. I read this to you earlier. She said that this was basically a Faustian uh, bargain that uh, NASA made with Congress to launch this Artemis rocket. She called it a Faustian bargain, which I thought was pretty interesting uh, because we've, we discussed the Faustian bargain last week. A, for, a former deputy NASA administrator, Lori Garver, she called it a Faustian deal to launch this Artemis rocket. So when you look at all of these things, it would make more sense, in my view, and according to people like Elon Musk, and, I, and this is why I bring this up, to strive to be something bigger and better, to strive to, to, to find uh, new avenues of, of thought and new avenues of, of life and living and new resources and more abundance. There's so much out there. And I think part of the PSYOP, the psychological operation against human life, if you will, 
has been the convincing of people that the earth is flat again, the convincing of people that there's no such thing as space, the convincing of people that there is no such thing as divinity, there's no such thing as a God, and I'm not a Christian, I'm just saying that there's certainly a divine essence and force in the universe, especially for so many atheistic scientists to be basically worshiping these gods and goddesses. There's a belief in some higher power. But that's what we've been conditioned and trained to do, isn't it? We've been conditioned and trained to think that people, humans, children, families are bad things. We've been conditioned to think and to believe that there's no such thing as space. There's no such thing as space travel. There's no such thing as, you know, planet Earth is just a disk. So we don't want to go explore. So we don't want to have a family and, 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 and have children and, and leave something for the next generation. So we don't pass on what we've learned. I mean, th- this is culturally where we are, where we are, not even where we're heading. This is where we are. And it's interesting that Elon Musk is so vocal about this kind of thing. He's, he's been saying that, you know, the family is important and that the issue is not global warming. The issue is not climate change. The issue is less uh, people being born. The issue is low birth rates. And here's a guy who is, for lack of a better word, he's in the elite circle of the people that run the world. And he's telling us there's not enough people. We need more people. We need families. We need children. We need to explore the heavens. We need to explore the stars. We need to go beyond earth. And everything contrary to that is don't look into the heavens. Earth isn't even real. The moon's not real. The earth is not, you know, even a sphere. It's a disc. There's nothing beyond. There's nothing beyond the earth. It's just led lights I mean, you might think I'm joking. I firmly believe the whole flat earth thing is a very, very laughable, but a very, very successful psyop. It's convinced certain segments of the population there's nothing to explore. You are stuck here on planet earth. You are not unique. You are not special when in fact everything is unique and special. Everything is unique and special. Just stay in your home, watch your TVs, watch YouTube, and don't ask questions. And that's a disturbing idea. That is what has been cultivated in some segments of of the general public. They might be fringe segments, but nevertheless, the idea is there. And an idea is very dangerous because you can't shoot, you can't execute an idea. It's just there and it spreads a good idea or a bad idea. Then the idea of getting rid of families and getting rid of children and how that's destroying the planet. And Elon Musk is right. Population collapse due to low birth rates is a much bigger risk to civilization than global warming. We don't have enough people. We have so many resources. There is no global warming threat that overshadows a much bigger threat such as population collapse, which is what is happening around the world. And this is a threat. Now, I don't say, I don't say this um, as a preface to not take a side. I don't know if I trust Elon Musk. But I do believe that he's telling, telling the, the public these things because he has been in these circles with these people. He is in these circles as one of the richest men in the, in the world. He's in these elite circles. And reportedly, this is the kind of stuff that they talk about. Except he's telling you the opposite of what they're telling you. Take from that what you will. But I don't think it's disputable that flat earth has convinced us to not look into the heavens. And that climate change and global warming and social justice movements have convinced us not to have families, not to have children, not to pass on what we learn, to stagnate, to be regressive, to de-evolve, to move backwards. Like something's hijacked the planet and doesn't want us to leave. 
and you have NASA launching a rocket, Artemis, with the Orion capsule, Orion the Hunter, Orion's belt, Orion the Hunter, Artemis is the Hunter, Diana is the Hunter, Diana is the Roman, Artemis is the Greek. They are sisters of culture. Launching that rocket, the phallic symbol from Earth, the Egyptian Geb, impregnating the Egyptian nut, the sky goddess, raining down blessings, we hope, of science and technology and space travel, and choosing to do it on a Monday, and then saying, oh, we've got a We've got a backup date. That's Friday, the day of Frigga. The only other day you really could name a name a moon mission because you got Sunday's the Sunday, Saturday's Saturn, Tuesday is Tyr, the god of war, Wednesday is and Thursday is Wodan and Wodan and, and Thor. So you've got Moon Day and you've got Frigga, which was the wife of Odin. Those are days and those are the days that NASA set aside to launch, and then they said a third backup would be another Monday. It's Moon Day. Uh, lightning struck the launch pad on Saturday, which was the starting of the new lunar cycle. I, I don't think any of this stuff is coincidental. And I think what NASA is doing, as NASA has always done, is this is not and should not be a surprise to anybody listening. They are performing a ritual. It is a ritual regardless of how you define ritual. It could be a ritual like getting up and having a cup of coffee. It could be a ritual as is the pop culture implication that it, it has a deeper meaning to it and it reaches into the past and it reaches into the underlying current and it reaches into the divine for inspiration and for power and authority. And that's why they named these things Artemis and Apollo and Mercury and Saturn and Osiris and Orion. They're drawing down the essence of the moon. And they're doing that this week, the week of the death of Princess Diana, the 25th anniversary they're doing this after a major pop song came out. They apparently, I didn't see it, but they apparently played it at the Music Awards this weekend, honoring Celine, the moon goddess, right after the death of Anne Hesh on Namorelia, right after the bull or Hathor, which is Isis, which is Diana, the Greek is Artemis, the Egyptian is Isis. They have. All of these things, a sporting event, Hollywood celebrity, music video, and then the death date of Princess Diana, the anniversary, and then in the middle of all this at the end of the month, you have the preparations and the launch of Artemis and Orion going to the moon from Geb to the nut, goddess of the sky, sky goddess nut, and then to the moon, you want that energy, you want that influence on the mission. And that's powerful. And that is both science and mythology. It is both engineering and magic. It's all those things. And not just sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. It is magic and it is also engineering and science. It is mythology. But it is also rocket engineering. It's chemicals. It's things that, you know... I can't do, I can't build a rocket. I don't know how to build a rocket. And I think a lot of the people that build these things and work for NASA and even maybe private companies like SpaceX, they are, they are doing these things just like the pop stars in the music industry. They're working on the program, but they're not necessarily like supporters of those. They don't even maybe know about those things. I told you I dated a girl who, whose dad worked at NASA. I'm from Florida. So I first girl I ever dated, her dad worked at NASA 
he, he, I know, I didn't know him that well, but I know he wasn't a believer in these types of things. He was more atheistic in his views. So just an average, random, common person working NASA. And that's, that's what most of those people are, just like most of the people in the music industry. And then they have a handful of people that come to you and say, hey, this is the imagery. This is what you got to do to get famous. This is what you got to do to sell albums. And that's what you do. And I maintain that there are people that are subsidizing those things through those individuals. And I think this is exactly what NASA is doing. And we, and you know, the thing Elon Musk is right. We should be looking to the heavens. We should be looking to the stars. We should be looking to increase birth rates. We should be looking to eventually get off planet, explore, obtain more resources. This is how civilization expands. Instead, they want us to not have families, to look at humans as disgusting, to look at humans as diseased, to look at humans as carbon-based. Carbon is, is the threat to the planet, to look at humans as, as the reason that there is any suffering or pain in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in human civilization or even in the universe, perhaps, that humans are, the, are the, the issue across the board. Everywhere you look, humans, 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 humans are the problem, that we have too many people on the planet when we don't actually probably have enough people on the planet they keep telling us all these things, including that's the mainstream narrative. The alternative narrative is, well, the planet doesn't even exist and there's just LED lights and it's, that's convinced people that there's nothing out there. There's nothing to go look for and there's too much suffering here. Why go elsewhere? That defeatist, regressive, de-evolutionary ideology has been pushed by, quote, elite factions of our society. And I don't know if I can trust Elon Musk, but Elon Musk is telling us, this is what they're telling you but I'm telling you, it's the opposite of what they're saying. We should be going to the stars. We should be having children. We should be having families. This is the only thing that's going to save the human race, not regressing backward to a state of barbarism, a state of serfdom, and a state of feudalism. That's regression. That's de-evolution. We don't want that. We want to go to the stars. And whether you agree with NASA, maybe you think NASA is still run by Nazis. I don't know. I don't really care. NASA is very well aware as an agency of what they are doing and how they are doing it. They do not pick these names accidentally. They choose them because they have authority, they have power. And what better name than Artemis, the sister of Apollo? What better name to give to your moon mission, the sister of the original moon missions? First time we're going back to the moon in 50 years. Artemis with the Orion capsule. Absolutely, in no way, shape, or form is it accidental. And absolutely, in no way, shape, or form is it not magical, is it not ritualistic. And in no way, shape, or form are they not attempting to draw down the energies and the essences and the flow uh, and the permission from the gods and the goddesses to penetrate their, their home, their adobe, and to obtain access to those worlds for the benefits that they may provide. That's what we're doing. We're shooting for the moon and we're doing so ritualistically. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. If you'd like to support this show, please go to the website, subscribe to the archive, buy a copy of one of my books. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings is Facebook. There's also my page, Ryan Gable. And TST underscore underscore radio is the Twitter page. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. 
you haven't subscribed to Aftermath yet, I'd recommend you go and do that. And you subscribe to The Secret Teachings as well at thesecretteachings.info. Again, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. And then the show goes up in the archive. Thank you so much for listening. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. The music tonight, White Bat Audio. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. 